Nebworth. Shit. I gotta do a show about Nebworth. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Heart of Markness podcast. And as that Apocalypse Now homage intro tells you, we are covering Nebworth. Why? Is it because it's one of their best shows? No, because it isn't. Is it because you love the show and it's near and dear to your heart? Uh, it, it, it is not. Is it because you asked people in your Facebook group what they wanted to hear and Nebworth was on the list and there were other people who liked Nebworth and it had been brought up in the past from other listeners that they would love to hear Nebworth? Yes. Yes, that is why I'm doing it. My initial um, hesitance to do Nebworth or Earl's Court, another one that's like, do Earl's Court, dude. Fuck the copywriters. The thing is, they're officially released. Nebworth and Earl's Court are on the DVD. Not the entire shows, but uh, for Nebworth, the, the really high watermarks are. And um, I make it very clear that I err on the side of caution when it comes to copyright or anything that could be construed as violating copyright, stepping on toes legally. Uh, that's why I don't do studio stuff. That's why I don't have a, a do do outtakes and things like that. And um, what about the doors, Mark? You just did a little bit of the end. Correct. A few seconds is fair use. That's no problem. But, um, and I, I'm sure it wouldn't be a big deal, but... At this point, somebody who is somebody whose job it is to keep an eye on Zeppelin because um, the legal departments and it may not. I mean, I'm not saying it comes from Jimmy high up on, you know, on Mount Doom, you know, in Mordor decreeing this. But, you know, there's only so many Led Zeppelin podcasts and. I don't want to piss anybody off. I like what I do. I really like what I do. And and I don't want to push things. So I've been very hesitant to do things that are officially released. Because. Why? There's there's a million other shows. The Earl's Court shows are not the best shows of 1975. Nebworth is not the best show of 1979. In my opinion. Now. In fact, Nebworth is actually two shows. Nebworth is August 4th, 1979, and a week later, August 11th, 79. Enormous outdoor event. Legendary. Hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, Zeppelin's first and last concerts on UK soil since Earl's Court. And um, kind of the big last hurrah of Zepp. It's, um, the fourth was pretty good. The nerves showed. And I mean, it showed, it was obvious that they weren't a, a touring band and hadn't been a touring band for a while. It was, it was pretty good. Uh, the rhythm section was great. Robert's voice was great. Jimmy by this time is, is, um, 
the iffy one. And he pulled it off on the 4th for the most part. Um, on the 11th, he was the opposite. On the 11th, he was a... He, he did not play well. And not like, oh, he had an off night. No, he did not play well. He wrecked... He wrecked a couple of songs. And, um... Not for lack of trying. But, um... I haven't been a huge fan of Nebworth, and I know I say this will go. Here comes Mark being another. You know, I wasn't a really big fan of this, and by the end of the sh- by the end of the show, I'll be like, "Gosh darn it, I love these guys." But um, Nebworth. I mean, it's it's a good show. I'm not a big latter day Zep fan as far as like the stuff that that touches my heart. You know, the touching my heart stuff is, is earlier Zeppelin, 70, 71, 69, 72, that kind of stuff when they were just amazing and did all their jams and all their little medleys and were uh, really, really disciplined from being on the road all the time. And Jimmy was just, man, zero ohms, man, no resistance from the from the creative force just rushing through him. And... um the latter day stuff. I mean, that's why I don't. You know, I don't do too much '77. Although I have a much greater respect for '77, and I'm sure by the end of this tonight, these show these shows are not bad. These show the, the the August Fourth was not a bad show. But when I need a 1979 fix, I go to July 24th, Copenhagen. That's my '79 fix. So when I listen to Nebworth. I typically view it through the lens of, oh, it was better in Copenhagen. Oh, it was better in Copenhagen. And not the lens of, oh, that was pretty badass. You know, not as badass as it was in Copenhagen, but still badass. They 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 redeemed themselves in the eyes of people who doubted them on that first weekend. Um, I don't know what happened on the second weekend, but, I mean, if we're going with the f- the facts that at this band at, at this point in time the band was um was beset with dependency issues from at least half regarding at least half their members um i would almost think in, in typical uh addict behavior you know you pull yourself together for the big event which would be august 4th which is why in Copenhagen, you know, they were so tight and Jimmy was so amazingly fluid, like 1973. He probably was, you know, relatively on the rock star scale, uh, uh, straight edge, you know, uh, clean and sober, again, for a rock star, and uh, relatively clean and focused. And then they pull off August 4th and it's a triumph. So what are you going to do? You're going to get off that stage and you are going to celebrate good times come on and then uh after whatever happens i mean um it's all conjecture on my part it's just you know it it doesn't take the fact that they're gods rock gods doesn't change you know human behavior you know if if i walk through a room and walk out the door and you hear a thump and an ouch and then I come back in the room and I have a skin knee. You're not going to go, what happened? Did you get attacked by a bear? No. You're going to go, oh, I bet he fell down. Um, so this behavior kind of, you know, indicates um, 
sickness of one fourth on the 11th. So we're not featuring anything from the 11th on this show. We're going to do August 4th only. And we're going to, of course, not going to play anything that is on the Led Zeppelin DVD. So it's going to be no in the evening. There's going to be no whole lot of love. Nobody's fault with mine. All that stuff. Negatory. Good buddy. However, we are going to play. Oh, and one of the benefits of having this this professionally released is that eventually soundboard recordings got or a soundboard recording got released into the good old uh, bootleg world. It was properly liberated. And um, oh, my gosh, was it Winston? I think this is a Winston remaster. Let me look. My goodness. Winston. This is a Winston remaster and a, and a matrix of an of a really excellent uh, audience tape or a really good audience tape and the, the soundboard. And again, a matrix is where you where you go into an audio program, put in both recordings and sync up the tracks perfectly. So it's not like, hello, hello, hello. Um, and then adjust the volumes and the mix and the frequencies so that they blend into one recording so you get the clarity of the soundboard recording but you get some of the atmosphere and feel from the audience recording and including the audience because the soundboard would only pick up the audience um through the stage mics Whereas you get you get that crowd sound and you get a little bit of the the the, the um, space of them playing a large festival in an open field to you know a hundred thousand people plus uh, the number is contested. Peter Grant says it's you know three hundred trillion, and uh, Freddie Bannister, the dude that ran the show, you know I don't know, lots and lots of people. Definitely six digits, at least for the first night. And uh, a legendary show in that it was the hugest, the you know, the only time you would see Zeppelin in 79 anywhere, unless you were one of those few hundred folks in Copenhagen at the unannounced warm-up. Um, so people traveled from all over the world to this show. It's iconic in that there are photos, and if you had a Zeppelin poster, you know, you might have it might have been from Nebworth. It's Jimmy in the blue shirt. And, and the light pants and uh, Bonzo, not Bonzo, uh, Jonesy with the telephone on his keyboard, you know, all that stuff. And it's, um, it's really good. It's really good. I just, I, I'm, and you're right. I'm talking myself into liking it. It's not bad at all. The clarity of the soundboard and Winston remasters makes it a really, really enjoyable show. And, um, there's video. And it's all over YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on the DVD. You can, you know, watch it on a train. You can watch it on a plane. The only downside... Oh, one of the reasons I resent this show is that uh, there's a very, very, very good performance of 10 Years Gone. Again, not as good as the one in Copenhagen, which is my favorite ever. But very, very good. But the the, the um, multi-track tape ran out during this during uh, 10 years gone of course because zeppelin has that luck and um that's why it wasn't included on the dvd they didn't have a, a complete multi-track of it and they tried all kinds of studio wizardry trying to extract um 
extract guitar, you know, extract parts from other recordings and other mics and things. Maybe it was Jimmy's, maybe it was just Jimmy's track. I don't know. Anyway, there wasn't a complete recording of some sort and they weren't able to through, they weren't able to fix it and make it acceptable. So it wasn't on the DVD, but it's a very good quality. uh, I mean, a very good performance. And um, it was even released on some sort of stealth video because it started to appear. Oh, not stealth video. When the box set came out in 1990, the Led Zeppelin box set, when the big resurgence of the band happened, because everybody was like, holy shit, Led Zeppelin's awesome. Of course they are. Um, Atlantic released a a video for 10 years gone that was then played on MTV. And it's kind of, it was in decent rotation on MTV and VH1 Classic and all that stuff. So, what's that have to do with anything? Nothing. We're losing them. We're losing them. All right, let's get started. I have wasted your time. Anyways, this is Latter-day Zeppelin, the last great, huge performance of the band. August 4th, 1979. We're going to go with Celebration Day, which is played like it was back in the old days on the double neck. Enjoy. Oh, <laughs> 
I told Pager that one or two people would be here, but he said he doubted it very much. Uh, well, I can't tell you how it feels. I think you could probably... You've got a good idea anyway. But it's great. That was good. High energy, fun, and um, that crowd response. Man, I have been in front of a few thousand people and had that attention focused on me once. And it is tangible. It is, it is quantifiable and measurable, at least by yourself. And it is crazy, crazy cool. <laughs> Sorry, my windows are open even though it's like 51 degrees outside because I'm a freak. And uh, there are kids and dogs playing outside. So even though I'm on the second floor, it's still a wafting up. So apologies for extraneous noise. That was fantastic. And um, one thing I noticed this, this in the latter day of Zeppelin... And I recorded the first part of this podcast, everything before Celebration Day. I recorded last night. At night, wink. Uh, so, different theme at this point forward. And um, what I notice is that, I mean, perhaps it is simply the enormity of the crowd, but I really haven't experienced Robert being that kind of rock star. Whoa! I said, whoa! Before. You know, not even attempting that communion. But I also may be looking too into it. I mean, I'm going, I'm thinking in the case of like, well, it's latter day. Robert is um, extremely uncomfortable with the the state of some of the members of the band. And the management of the band. Peter Grant is as much of a wreck functionally as Jimmy and Bonzo. Bonzo still pulls it off on stage, although by 1980, uh, after his collapse in Nuremberg, even he's kind of phoning it in that the fire is dimmed. Um, Not here. Not here. Everybody's trying. Everybody's on point. But um, there just seems to be cracks in the foundation. We have Robert, who's relatively sober. Um, And I don't mean sober like a rock star sober, like Jimmy was sober, wink, at Nebworth. Uh, But pretty much after um, the loss of his son, definitely by the loss of his son in 77, he kind of was done with that rock star excess... Uh, bullshit, especially, you know, by the mid seventies, everybody, this is not a Led Zeppelin problem. This was a cultural problem, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And few people had absolute power in the 20th century, uh, as absolute as the, the great rock gods of the seventies. 
you know, people like The Who, The Stones, and Zeppelin, for sure, could do anything they want. I mean, shit, they had their own airplane. They would pick up groupies, take them on the airplane, have their way with them, and just leave them in whatever city they were in. It's not, ah, uh, you know, back when I was a kid, it was like, that was the coolest thing in the world. Now it's not all that much to be proud of, but I mean, you're living a pretty consequence-free life, especially when you have somebody like Peter Grant and the um, coterie of uh, associates in the Zeppelin posse that were just this 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 force field keeping you from uh, the consequences of your actions. What's that have to do with Celebration Day? Nothing. But I think um, it, it, it's been it's been documented uh, in, in many books. Barney Hoskins, my favorite by far. Sorry about the goddamn dog. Um, she's a sweet dog, but for some reason the sound is just ridiculously flying right in my window. So apologies, friends. But um, at this point, Robert was 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 um, he had to be cajoled back into Zeppelin after the loss of his son for obvious reasons. Nobody, I don't think I need to elucidate that. But um, when he got there, I mean, it was it was with conditions. It was with conditions. It's like no more long tours. You know, and part of it was no more craziness. No more 45-minute solos. No more, you know, let's all be grown-ups. And the big long tours were because he didn't want to be away from his family. Can you imagine the anxiety that one would have having experienced a trauma like the loss of a child when you're a world away, living like a rock god? Can you imagine the guilt and just everything? The, is it because of me? Was I, am I being punished by an angry god? Um, oh my god, I can't believe the fact that you get the, the word that... This tragedy has happened on a telephone in New Orleans, Louisiana, on that miserable July day in 1977. And then even if you're Robert Plant, even though you're Robert Plant, the most popular rock god in in history, or at least of that time, um, you still can't get back home immediately. And if I understand correctly, in order, the most expeditious way for him to fly home uh, because the the uh, Caesar's chariot pilots had already used up their hours, so to speak, and probably weren't cleared for transatlantic, um, he had to fly commercial. So he and Bonzo had to fly commercial, one of the most recognizable people in the world, in public, at the most painful time of his life, before he could even get home and deal with it and experience it. Horrific. I have nothing but respect for Robert Plant. I have nothing but respect for him as a man, as a father, as an artist, for for going through that after the accident where, you know, he gets injured, his wife gets injured, the kids not so much, then the tragedy of his boy, and then coming back to a band that's ridiculously dysfunctional, to his writing partner who's in dire straits, to his manager who's in dire straits, to his best friend who's in dire straits. And uh, all those people were in dire straits, Mark? No, no, not the band. Um, and then soldiering on. So, he, you know, he's not 100% in the boat for this show. 
I mean, he is as a professional doing the band, but that whole unity that was was pre. I mean, I think he was trying in '77. He was trying to gel with Jimmy like they used to, but um, I read somewhere that it was like uh, trying to tap on like aquarium glass, like that three-inch thick glass. Ding, 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 ding. Trying to get through. Oh. Anywho, why am I being such a downer? I'm being such a downer because that's what this show in this era makes me feel. Because that's what I feel in the music. It is the definitely triumph of the will. This show, August 4th, was a great show. Was it a great show by the standards of Zeppelin great shows? No. It's a great Latter-day show. And it's not like graded on the curve. But, um... I don't know. I don't know. Well, since I don't know, I'm going to shut up because you guys like it. A lot of people asked for it, and I don't want to sound like Debbie fucking Downer when we all know by the end of this, I'm going to be like, that was just amazing. What a great band. So let's, as Bill Burr says, plow ahead. So Celebration Day, played with the double neck like it was back in the day. You know, we know in, uh, by 73 for sure, it was on the Les Paul for Song Remains the Same. But in the original 71, I don't know about 72, it was um, played on the double neck. And now we're going to play what I mentioned earlier, which is 10 Years Gone. A beautiful, beautiful rendition. And uh, I'm also going to murder that goddamn dog and that goddamn kid. I am not going to murder them, but I am going to close my windows. So here's the 10 years gone that wasn't able to make the DVD cut because of the audio inconsistencies. It is excellent, and I hope you enjoy it, friends. I think it's um, my second favorite, second only to Copenhagen 79. Here we go. 10 years gone. And because of the soundboard, you can really hear the triple neck. Thank you. Well, we had lots of... uh Little bits of paper passed to us from people who come from this place and that place and the other place. From Newcastle and from, from the City Hall, Newcastle, probably. And from Camarden, Dielkombauer, Vancouver. Even a public house near Kidderminster. <laughs> and we just, um, it goes without saying that we're really chuffed that you all made it. <laughs> to crown it, this is the thing that, as it's about our 11th year now, I think, the song's about a year out of date. It's called 10 Years Gone. Thank you. 
Thank you, Carmarthen. Newcastle. Birmingham. Kidderminster. Freddie Bannister. So the album that came out two weeks ago unfortunately got a bit delayed again. Guess it was a fortnight ago, then it was a week ago. Now it's next Friday. Just goes on and on and on. This is a track from it that we should. That was really good. That was really good. And I like how he. Uh, I'm keeping the uh, the chatter and between song banter in because it's an important show and it helps to, you know, it's emotional because, I mean, on the one hand, we have Robert kind of feeling ambivalent about returning to Zeppelin, kind of questioning the, the wisdom of it and whether that's in his heart anymore. And uh, on the other hand, you have hundreds of thousands of people out there coming traveling the world over to come see you and that adulation and that that attention interesting very interesting times 10 years gone great performance jimmy did it really well very very well it's a tough tune and um man i wish 1973 or 1972 or 1971 jimmy would play that song he kind of did um, in Copenhagen. We basically had 1973 Jimmy for that night, and uh, it was it was flawless. There's maybe one there's one note that I thought was a mistake and have for years, but now I think it was just part of it that might or it might have been a flub. Who cares? But man, oh man, what a good song! What a good performance! As was this. Um, <sighs> The crowd is there for them, and it is marvelous to hear. You know what else is marvelous to hear? Me cutting my chit-chat in half, because I am babbling a lot. I did close the windows, and the kids and dogs went inside. Thank God. I am. I apologize for that. I mean, not enough to re-record my audio. I'm not that sorry. But um, it was distracting. You could hear me. I'm like, uh, on this song, J Jonesy's Triple Neck. And you could hear it. You could hear Jonesy's Triple Neck acoustic. And uh, he played the bass with his feet on bass pedals. And it was glorious and marvelous. And, you know, now that we're 17 years past the release of the Led Zeppelin DVD, um, I would hope that perhaps if and when... Jimmy does a Blu-ray release of that set, hopefully, preferably expanded. Um, perhaps the technology has progressed enough that he might be able to salvage that song now, or at least make a compromise and go go use use the soundboard for that missing part and just have a little caveat, you know, like hey, not everything's perfect. I I I. I I wish Jimmy were a little less of a perfectionist with the live releases. And that's just my greed. I would love to hear I would love to hear the Japan 71 
multi-tracks, even if they're substandard. I would love to have, um, people have talked about having some kind of like a, um, Grateful Dead with their Dick's Picks, not Dick Picks, Dick's Picks releases, which is releasing soundboards, um, soundboard recordings of their live shows. You know, you can get a 150 trillion live dead shows commercially. But the dead were also extremely, as you know, taper-friendly, and sound quality par excellence, and Zeppelin were extremely um, taper-unfriendly, belligerent. So that might not work, but Frank Zappa did a thing um, about 30 years ago. Maybe a little more than that, since he's been dead almost that long. Um, He did a thing called Ban the Boots, or Boot the Boots, or something like that. Basically... He started releasing his bootleg, you know, people who had bootlegged him, releasing Zappa bootlegs professionally, releasing them on his label and releasing them commercially. And I could see Zeppelin doing something like that, Jimmy doing something like that, taking some of those soundboards, taking some of those excellent audience recordings. Can you imagine how good the Mike Millard recordings, Listen to This Eddie, would sound? Or badge holders would sound if that beautiful audience recording were run through some Jimmy Page studio magic to expand the stereo space to bring out some of the some of the things that might be a little back to to bring a little more clarity, you know, a professional mastering job. Miracles could happen. Miracles could happen. And I know that, um, gosh, how long ago was it? When I was going to Berkeley in Boston for music production and engineering, I did not get that far into the program, by the way. Um, there was a company nearby, I think it was in Salem or Gloucester. Anyways, it was close, uh, called Ryko Disc. And they were compact disc pioneers. They saw the value in the medium before the big record companies did as far as audiophile quality. I mean, if you remember, since you're old like me, um, back in the day, that first generation of, of rock CDs were pretty lame. Like, I remember getting Who's Next back in like 1984, maybe. Uh, I was in high school and I had a CD player. I mean, I saved up because, you know, it's high school. I saved up for months and months and months and put together a decent stereo system component stereo system and i was so proud of it um and i got who's next because i was really into the who and zeppelin discs were not out yet um and it sounded terrible because they didn't use the master tapes they'd get whatever whatever tape they could get whether it was a not the original master tape but like the mastering tape that they were using for that for that vinyl pressing at the time or cassette pressing and just threw it on there transferred it to digital put it out it was noisy. It was very hissy. It almost sounded like a bootleg or just sounded like a cassette. It, it was not impressive. Um, but Ryko Disc put out, uh, they back, they immediately got, first of all, I think they were the first one to put out an 80 minute CD, Mission to Burma. Um, but they also put out a bunch of Zappa's catalog, remastered, and remixed. I think too. I think Zappa remixed some of them. Like we're only in it for the money. 
I think he remixed, and because the master tapes had degraded to a point, he put in a digital bass and drums. And they also put out Bowie's, uh, a significant amount of Bowie's catalog. And they sounded incredible. Incredible. And they also put out some Jimi Hendrix live material. They put out, um, gosh, I think it was Winterland or Fillmore. I can't remember what it was. But what they did was they took the original tapes, which were probably four-track masters, and then basically made like 16 virtual tracks from it by extreme sound isolation. And you can do that now. There are There's software that does that now. But basically they would take the drum track, which let's say for the sake of conversation, it's just a mono. One of those tracks is a mono drum track. Everything's on one track. It would be able to isolate through frequency isolation, say the cymbals and the hi-hat, and be able to say put those in the farther right channel. And some of the ride cymbals and some of the toms more on the left channel and have the bass drum and the snare more in the center channel to give a a false stereo image. And similar thing with Jimmy's guitar, similar thing with the bass. And then it sounded good. I don't know what happened to it, and I don't know, and again, I haven't heard it in, in... Jesus, I haven't had the CD for probably 25 years. Um, But I don't know if it sounded like garbage. Like, if I listen to it now, it would sound cheesy and dated. But I could see Jimmy or whoever ends up with the Led Zeppelin bag, say, 20 years from now, um, releasing the live stuff and tweaking it and making it sweeter and just selling it as, like, a Zappa band the boots or boot the boots or whatever the fuck he called it and just take it and make it sound better. And then you make some money off it yourself and you're in control of it yourself. And what's the bootlegger going to do? Sue you? Um, or maybe they even buy the tapes. I can't remember. I don't remember what happened. I think the Doors bought some live tapes. Man, I should look into that. Oh, hey, look how much time I've wasted. All right. Anyways, yes, I would like to hear more Led Zeppelin live. I would love to hear more Led Zeppelin live material released professionally. And um, I know they didn't tape as much as they wanted to. Again, there's the state of that executive dysfunction in the band. So not a lot of stuff was taped, whereas the Stones had a zillion multi-tracks per tour. And The Who, a zillion multi-tracks per tour and video. And uh, Floyd... A decent amount of multi-tracks or professional recordings so they can throw out all these live albums I mean the Stones put out live albums just in their deluxe editions you get the deluxe edition of Goat's Head Soup and you get a fantastic 1973 concert one of their best live albums ever uh, which was a bootleg for decades called A Brussels Affair and it was recorded professionally I think it was a radio broadcast originally but Jesus, I, I wish I wish Zeppelin had that kind of foresight. And yes, it's a lot of money. And I see why they didn't do it. It's a lot of money to haul around a multi-track, the truck to record the shows and have an engineer recording the shows just for the fuck of it. And um, man, I wish they had, though. All right. 
Enough wool gathering, folks. Thank you for bearing with me through that. We are going to right now play a wonderful tune that sounds really good at this show. High energy, fun, 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 and some good old wah-wah fun. We're going to play Trampled Underfoot. And you will enjoy it because it is fantastic. Here we go.
those uh, songs attributed to the, uh, the moving parts of a motor car. And I don't think, well, a lot of pushing. This is something about, that was built around going into one of them weird hotels that you come across in Bradford or Hull or Southampton or, or Los Angeles. But there's all these strange people ligging around in the lobby waiting for Peter Grant, our manager. Because we have to be in bed at 10 o'clock every night like good footballers. Uh, so it relates to the experience of the lobby and going down to get some cigarettes at 10.30 rather than being in bed. It's called Sick Again. And again and again and again. Like good footballers. I don't think that's the case. Well, friends, we're getting to the end of that long, dusty trail. I've got one more for you. But now it's time for the spiel. You can find me on Twitter at Heart of Markness. Join the Facebook group. Be among friends. One of us. One of us. Google gobble. On the Facebook group, also Heart of Markness. Uh, you can find most of the shows that I post. Not this one, though. At heartofmarkness.com. You know what? I don't know. No, I will. I will post this on heartofmarkness.com. Why not? I got it posted. No one's yelling at me. Um, okay, I will post this whole show at heartofmarkness.com. This is the Winston remaster of the Matrix soundboard audience recording. Uh, lots of soundboard, a little bit of audience, and um, you'll be able to download it at heartofmarkness.com, hopefully immediately or not. And what else do we have? What else do we have? Ah, yes, if you like what I do. And you want to help me do it in a tangible way. First of all, in a tangible way, you could help me by leaving me a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to me on. And that helps me materially in that it gives me higher relevance. The algorithms think, oh, next time somebody searches for Led Zeppelin in podcasts, my name will rise up a little bit more. I'm in the group now, and that's nice. For the longest time when I first started, I wasn't anywhere, anywhere in the group at all. But now I'm up there. I'd like to be up there a little higher, if you will. So leaving me a review is a wonderful way to support the podcast and to help me out and to help the show out. If you want to or in a, are in a position to support the podcast materially, it is welcome. Help offset the payment for the various things that I pay to host the show and distribute the show and the cloud hosting for the live shows and the website, etc. Please avail yourself to patreon.com slash heart of Markness. Got a few tiers of membership for you. The top two tiers gets their own podcast every month. I finally did September's podcast uh, a couple days ago. It was late because I tried doing some different stuff and I'm a terrible person, and it took too long, but it's out. It's very good. I won't even tell you what it is, but they know, and they got it because they are awesome. Anyway, here are, you get that as a, as a bonus for helping me out, and you also get the celebrity of having your name read out. 
Oh, and speaking of which, I should look. Holy mackerel. I should look. I'm going to put you on pause here. Because there's somebody, one of the patrons wants me to read their name in a special way. And I haven't been. So give me one second. And we're back. No time passed for you. A small amount of time passed for me. So here they are. These are the titans upon whose shoulders rests the heart of Markness. A laurel and hearty handshake. Two. Making sure I've got everything here. Chris. Michael. Rob from Melbourne, Australia. That was the one. Wayne. Bonzo. Billy. Brad. Danielle. Tracy. David, Peter, Mark, other David, other Bill, and Mimo. I thank you, thank you, thank you for bearing with me as I ironed out the rough spots when I first started. When I first started this podcast, I just did it literally for the hell of it. I didn't really anticipate anybody would listen, that anybody would find it, and... um I kind of did it when I felt like doing it. And I even took like almost a year between episodes one time. And then I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And uh, I don't think I've missed a week in the last couple years anyway. It's been a while. I was listening to some older episodes and I would be like, I think this is the 19th episode in a row that I've been on time. And now it's just, I don't even think about it. I just do it. It's what I got to do on Thursdays. It's what I got to do on the weekends. So I hope you like it. And uh, if you really, really like it, become a patron if you can. And if you can't, it's a free podcast. Your listening is the main reason I do this. So that in and of itself is thanks. Also, you could tell your friends or retweet my posts when I post it or share it. Get the word out by word of mouth, if you would. I would appreciate that as well. All right, here endeth the lesson. We are going to close with what the show closed with back on August 4th, 1979. And that is little Jimmy Page coming out onto that great big stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people and playing Heartbreaker. And it is a good one it is legendary there's the, the i remember seeing it was one of those things i remember seeing like a video bootleg of back in the day it might have even been like on a shitty vhs multi high generation vhs at like some record show i don't know i remember seeing this maybe it was digital i don't i don't recall but this is one of the videos that made the rounds um back in the day jimmy nebworth heartbreaker Heart of Markness. Enjoy, my friends.
And there you have it. Nebworth, August 4th, 1979. Hundreds of thousands of people in that field. Zeppelin delivered. It was a good show. It was a good show. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I wasn't able to play everything I wanted to because of, you know, a lot of it's officially released. But this was solid. And man, the fans loved it. The band loved it. And I hope you loved it too. I've had a lot of people asking me for Nebworth over the years, and I've, I've kind of uh, resisted, and I finally went limp and gave in, and I'm glad I did. I hope you enjoyed this show, my friends, and I will be back this weekend for some nice classic rock of whatever the new Millard releases, most likely. And, um, yeah, you'll be able to get this show, if not immediately, then shortly after immediately on heartofmarkness.com Thank you for listening. Be good to yourself. Be good to each other. Listen to that crowd. (laughs) Beautiful. Be good to yourself. Be good to each other. Thank you. Good night.